Welcome to Monday here at the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to get back into Luke chapter number 12. We kind of graced upon this just a little bit on Friday, but we're going to dive into the details today, uh, beginning from verse number 1, clear down to verse number 12. We're going to be dealing with some, some direct teachings that Jesus is going to give us concerning the people that were attacking him uh, in chapter 11 at the very end of it, those scribes and those Pharisees, the lawyers that were that were jumping on to Jesus, uh, and, and the way that Jesus would confront them, of course, then they railed upon him vehemently, as we saw at the end, verses 53 and 54 of chapter 11, and they they were doing whatever they could to get Jesus to trip up. They were doing trying to goad him and draw whatever kind of conversation they could get out of him so that he would speak much words, the scripture says, to, to trip up and be found uh, guilty of something, anything that they could do to catch him. Needless to say, when we turn to chapter number 12, we're going to find that in the midst of these people being stupid and trying to challenge Jesus and draw things out of him, he then disengages from his conversation to those Pharisees and all of those guys and, and begins to use this moment while they're still, by the way, in the, in the process of fussing at him or trying to draw or elicit a response. He then disengages with them entirely and begins to teach his disciples, don't be like these guys because of the things we're going to discover today in Luke chapter 12. So <clears throat> before we begin... Let's ask God for the blessing of a beautiful Monday together with the Word of God. Father, we are thankful. We do pray that you will bless us this day as we come together around the Word of God, that our hearts would be prepared by the Spirit, that, that our joy would be unspeakable and full of glory for this moment that we do have. Some of us, Lord, may have to pry ourselves away from the things that we're engaged in. Some of us may have to really... Uh, strive to remember to separate from things to be able to have this time together but for the blessing of those who do choose to be together right now for those who do choose at a later time to be able to to tune in they do have the time to focus oh god bless them bless us together as one for it is of a truth that you have given the word of god for us to daily study so that we may be able to be connected to you to grow in you, to come to know you. And so God bless us. Bless the multitudes, Lord. I've, I've been watching the uh, people that would be leaving uh, a, a like or leaving a little heart or, or just, just, just commenting, Lord, and, and there are, are there a multitude of walks of life. There are multitudes of different nations represented as gathering together here at the preacher's corner and for that i give you praise lord i thank you and ask for thy rich blessings to pour out upon this ministry as it touches the lives of many but father of the word of god that is capable of getting out to to so many so far and a world that is capable of being able to connect with christ we give you thanks and ask that blessing upon us as we come together in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, here in Luke chapter number 12, beginning in verse number 1, as we touched on it again last Friday, 
the scripture comes in and it says, In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, First of all, in other words, there's a whole group of things he's about to teach, but first things first, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, and his definition of this leaven is hypocrisy. And, and it goes on and says, There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be made known. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Very important reality that exists here is that that. that a buddy of mine here in Manita, he's he's a buddy, but he's he's my brother. There's no question about it. In Christ, he he, he tells me his name is Carl, and he, and he tells me, Mama always raised me to tell the truth, and and the way that she said it to me was, if you if you always tell the truth, you won't ever have to keep up with any lies. <laughs> and he's right. There's a whole lot less work in just telling the truth than there is in bottling up all of the multitude of lies that could be told. And the reality behind Jesus' is, is teaching here to his disciples is not being like these Pharisees who are full of hypocrisies, and that hypocrisy is recognized in their, their heart. And the reality is, is most of the times, as I challenge folks on Friday evening, and I talked about it a little bit on, on the broadcast, is... Anytime, or most of the time, that you find Jesus connecting with the Pharisees or, or, or scribes or even Sadducees, the conversation that comes from Jesus is based upon the thoughts and intents of those Pharisees' hearts. You see, it, they never outwardly speak what they're thinking to Jesus because, of course, if they did that, then they, they might be in trouble for blasphemy or they might be in trouble for accusing him falsely or they... You know, there's a lot of things that they think about Jesus that they can't prove, so they don't say them even though they thank them. But Jesus knows your heart. And, and we keep coming back to this point over and over again. It's that Jesus knows your heart. He knows the thoughts and intents. And so when Jesus begins to start speaking to these Pharisees, Jesus begins to start speaking to uh, this people who are accusing him or challenging him. He's not speaking directly to what they have said, but speaking directly to what's going on in their heart. And of course, that causes them to be so furious with Jesus because he's, he's addressing something more acute than the trap of a question that they might be asking. And so... When you, when you get to this place where Jesus would explain to his disciples, he would say that there's nothing covered that isn't going to be revealed. Well, he proves it every time he talks to these Pharisees and these Sadducees or scribes. He proves the fact that everything that is hidden within them, they would never save for fear of being seen in a different light among the multitudes that, that is always surrounding Jesus. He, he uncovers what they're thinking by bringing that out in the conversation and teaching. And so he says nothing could, is possible to be covered. 
And there is a reality to the scripture in Proverbs that says that, that we should be sure that there is nothing hidden that won't be revealed, just like what Jesus is saying here, is that your sin will find you out. You know, we we all face the con the consequences of sin every day. We deal with being sinners. Even even us who trust in Yeshua, who trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Adonai, as our Adonai and Yeshua as our Lord and Savior. We, we we trust in him, disciples of Jesus as we are. Still, we have this war that exists within us because of sin. Just just because he has made new our inward man, he's he's made us a new creation in himself. We're still joined to the old creation, and, and that is riddled with corruption, and it's riddled with sin. And so the more we try to hide the wickedness that we are, instead of being a people of repentance, we become a people that, that are stained glass mirrors because we're hiding everything that we're enjoying that is sin, and we're not willing to let it go or confess it, which means we have a horrible relationship with our God and a horrible relationship with, with our Lord, our Savior. But nevertheless, the, the Scripture shows us that it, it you hide it as much as you think you can. Still, it will be revealed. And oftentimes the revelation will come because Jesus will no longer allow you to be hidden. No question that there will be a time where, where Jesus will be working with you inside your heart. The Holy Spirit will be convicting you. And if you would only come clean, if you would only come to repentance and be real with, with what you've done or what you're doing and with surrender to God, then there would be a great wealth of forgiveness. There would be a great wealth of understanding that would be poured out upon you. But the more you fight, the more you hold back, the more you you try to hide, the stronger that conviction gets from the Holy Spirit. And eventually the Lord will expose you for, for what you're doing. So there's nothing that is covered that isn't going to be revealed. And, and that's true. The revelation of these Pharisees and of these scribes, the revelation of their heart's evil toward God and toward Jesus is, is exposed every time they come to try and question him. As he gives the answer that is true to their soul, they go to war against him. They're yelling at him now. And so that which has been covered by them, by the congenial attitude that they maintain to try and look like the greater person to snare Jesus, blows up in their face as they start acting like little whiny babies, crying because they got their, their hands spanked, <laughs> they got their backside whipped by the Lord. And so Jesus is telling the truth guys just be real with God just be real with your your walk with God and and your service to Jesus be real with it because it's going to be exposed the community sees you that the, the the people in church recognize you I mean they're never going to say anything but maybe that's because they don't want to be recognized either 
It's kind of like what's happening in our government today where you have a high high profile politician who's gotten into some crime, but you'll never see them go to court. You'll never see them get arrested because if they do get arrested and they start wagging their mouth, they're going to expose 15 other high profile uh, people that that were in that particular crime with them and and so you would end up ultimately by the end of your investigation closing down your whole government <laughs> I mean it's that corrupt and so you you, you find that when Jesus really kind of starts sparking a revelation about these these scribes and Pharisees which by the way would be a connection to the whole uh, the the whole religion of that known day uh, you know Jesus could bring down the whole show so they've got to stop him because he's revealing too much about them he, they've got to stop him but Jesus teaches his disciples and he says don't be like these guys he says beware of them beware of their leaven which by the way I have to say that approximately 300 years from this time of Jesus' teachings, the, the disciples of Jesus, they fell prey to the leaven of the Pharisees. By the time that Rome releases persecution against the church, and in fact through Constantine in, in approximately 325 A.D., Holds, holds the Council of Nicaea and, and, and brings these bishops all together in, in the area of what is today Turkey or Asia Minor. It brings all of these bishops together to, to unite them to the Roman, uh, the Roman way and, and the church becomes Rome. Then they became the leaven of the Pharisees. And it, it's been the political power maneuvering about the, the Roman church, even unto this day. The church at Rome is still very alive, and it's it's a political maneuvering for office. It's a political maneuvering for 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 a position. It's 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 operated exactly the way that the Old Testament synagogue and the Old Testament temple were operating with these Pharisees, these scribes, and these Sadducees. So Jesus' warning fell on deaf ears only 300 years later from his teachings directly. And still to this day it falls upon deaf ears unless we seek the Lord and surrender your life and our life to him. Because Jesus makes known that, that you're going to be exposed. Just like Revelation 17, when the, when the harlot is exposed for exactly what she is, and she's, she's stripped bare and naked before all the people so that she is discovered and they burn her to the ground, there's nothing that will be covered that isn't going to be revealed. And you've probably had that happen in your own life. As soon as people begin to be suspicious about the activities that, you, that you're engaging in, even though you don't think anybody knows, it's, it's just a sensation that people feel around you that you're hiding something because you are hiding something, but you're trying not to act like you're hiding something, but you can't because there's too many parents around you, and parents are trained to find that which is hidden because children hide things, and it, 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 so you... <laughs> You're going to be exposed. And if by no one else, you are exposed to your Father in heaven. 
And so Jesus says, whatever you've spoken in darkness, you better be prepared to see it come back in light. <laughs> so if your conversations in the dark are conversations that, that are wicked, understand that they will be exposed. And in small towns, you know this well because you might have a conversation with somebody that you trust that, that is going to be, you know, keep it between you and them. But the next thing you know, you got 25 people coming up to you asking you if you said these things about that other person. You discovered that even the people that you thought you could trust the most are people that are so appalled about what you were thinking that they were going to go and tell somebody else. And, and maybe they were at least to a measure trustworthy of confidence the person that they told was was the town wagger uh, tongue wagger and and now that didn't work out <laughs> it got everywhere and so jesus said you know if you're gonna talk make sure that your your talk is is you know you would talk to the whole town as well as to the one person make sure that whatever you speak in darkness say in that three person meeting or in that corner or over here or over there or what have you make sure that you're you'd be prepared for that to be heard in the light because it's going to be exposed at some point in your life it'll be exposed and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets be proclaimed on the housetops praise god that's happened more times than I can tell. Now, the beautiful thing about being a confidential person is, is that you carry much of the information that you glean from others, and, and as it never comes from you to anyone else, you carry that that understanding what's happening. I mean, there there is so much that's been said about me even in, in this community that, that I just treasure because... The more people dislike you, the the the, ble- the more blessing you have in in knowing that. Well, what are they mad about? Well, they don't like you for this. Well, they don't like you for that. Well, they don't they don't like th- that you said this at a pulpit and it offended them. Okay, so it's the word of God that they don't like. They just can't stand the fact that I'm saying it. <laughs> okay, well, hallelujah. I mean that, that it's a beautiful thing. So. Be a confidential person, and you'll glean a lot of knowledge without having to worry about anything being spoken in darkness. <laughs> That's so fun. So we get down to, to verses 4 to 7. And as we hit verses 4 to 7, the first thing we've discovered is being a person without hypocrisy. And praise God for that. The first teaching is being a person without hypocrisy in verses 1 to 3. Here in 4 to 7, it's being a person without fear. Now, as, as we are aware in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the scripture says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. But we still are a people that, that often find ourselves being afraid. And, and God's... Jesus tells us not to have any fear. So, from verses 4 to 7, the scripture goes on to read thus. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you should fear. Fear him which after he is killed has power to cast into hell. Yeah, I say unto you, fear him. (laughs) Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value 
than many sparrows. Now, back, going from back to front, it talks about the very hairs of your head. Now, for the baldies out there, hallelujah, the solar panels for Jesus. That, that's awesome. You know, but understand that just because the follicles don't work anymore, which is the reason why you're bald, it doesn't mean that you don't have the follicles existent. And so Jesus and or the Father, he knows every single hair follicle that you would have on your head. Just so happens he's the one that created it. And, and he knows the number of every hair that you would have upon your head is that they are all numbered. As to think that when God created mankind, because everybody starts off with hair, it's just some lose it, some don't, some lose it faster than others, what have you. But everybody starts off with a fair amount, and, and it's interesting to think that, that every single follicle would have been designed by God so as to know every single hair that would grow upon your head. And, and this is the intimacy of the knowledge that God has with his creation. This is the intimacy of knowledge that, that God has about you, that, that to the very minute detail of, of your life, your body, everything about you, God would be in tune with. He would be understanding. He would know. So obviously there's nothing covered that isn't going to be revealed and there's nothing hidden in secret that isn't going to be exposed on the rooftops because even the very number of the hairs of your head he knows. And so you are not hidden, not even the hair is hidden from his sight. The concept of itty-bitty old birds named sparrows being sold and and how cheaply you can buy a sparrow as per five for two farthings, which be a couple of pennies for five birds. And yet, Jesus says not one of them is forgotten by God. You're not forsaken. You're not left behind. You're, you're not forgotten. But there's an issue behind this. Oftentimes, people would like to, at some points of time, be forgotten. And the reason why they would like to be forgotten is because there are things in their life they don't want God to be involved with. There are sins in their life that they don't want to be exposed before God. Oh, they do well enough hiding them from their neighbors. They do well enough hiding them from other people. But God is, is the entity that within us through the Spirit makes known that there's just no way we can hide from Him. And, and so sometimes we would hope that we would be able to find a place to be able to be forgotten by God. But the problem is, is like was revealed in Psalm 139. You could go to the highest peak or the lowest valley. You could go, you could go to the farthest you could find to the east or the farthest you could find to the west. You could, you could try and climb into a cave or do whatever you want to do, but you cannot get away from God, David discovered. Because there were sins in David's life that he would love to have just been able to have escaped from God and, and, and been able to do those sins for a time and not feel the weight of his presence always upon him. But he discovered that there's just nowhere you're going to be able to go to get away from God. And, and the reason why is because you are worth more value than the many sparrows. God created you not in the image of the monkey, like evolutionists would have you to believe. God created you not in the image of an amoeba, 
or or in the image of an amphibian or what have you. God created you specifically, mankind, in his own image, after his likeness specifically. And so you you are an extremely unique creation aside from all the rest of the animal kingdom and creation that God had made. And he treasures you, and he desires you, and, and, and he, he wants you. And so he says, don't be afraid. But listen to this concept of fear. I want to dispel something because oftentimes I hear it coming out of pastors and it drives me nuts. I hear it coming out of Sunday school teachers. Again, it drives me nuts. I hear it coming out of people trying to explain God to their children or to other children. I hear it coming out of people trying to lessen the the impact of the presence of God by by you know witnessing with people and different no we need to get straight what this concept of fear really is this this word fear and so at at the beginning of these as we're comforted by the fact that God knows the very hairs of our head we're also challenged by that fact because God knows the very hairs of our head and as we're comforted with understanding that we are worth more value than these many sparrows, yet we also understand that we are not forgotten by God, and that means that he's paying consistent attention to every detail about our life. <clears throat> then we discover that the Pharisees and the scribes have totally missed that point because they find themselves to be perfectly fine. They find themselves to be perfectly righteous in the things they're doing before God even though that while they're standing in the presence of Almighty God in Christ Jesus, that they are being as wicked an individual human being as possibly you could be standing right in the face of God himself. So, uh, pretty important to listen to these teachings and discover that, that, number one, anything that you have going on inside of you is going to be exposed by Jesus. But two, you ought to have a proper fear. Not about man, not about these Pharisees or these, these scribes or any of these guys that are being stupid. No, we're not to be afraid of them. Because the worst that they could possibly do at the end of all that they could do would be to destroy this body. But if that's all you can do, that's going to happen anyways. You think about it. There's, there's going to come a time in every person's life where they're going to lay this body down to the earth from whence it came. There's no escaping the concept that we have of death. There's no escaping the, the deterioration of this flesh because as it is sown in corruption to corruption, it must go back. Just as was taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that which is mortality must put on immortality, and that which is corruption must put on incorruption. So we know that we have an appointed time as revealed in Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 27. There, there is an appointed time for us to die, and after that time we will face a judgment, which is why there's nothing that is covered that isn't going to be exposed, and there's nothing hidden that won't be revealed in light. And so it's very important to understand that, that we have an appointment with this, 
with this flesh to cease and for our mortality to go into immortality, for our corruption to go into incorruption, unless, of course, we're not connected to Jesus like the scribes and the Pharisees, in which case our corruption will be separated into hell and our mortality will be discovering immortality separated from God and suffering. So, the, the reality is is that, that God knows and that God values mankind. And, and so, let us take the first two verses. First off, Jesus says, I say unto you, my friends. And, and it's vital to understand the relationship that Jesus desires to have with us. He desires to have a friendship with us that gives him the freedom to be able to tell us the truth, to tell us the reality. Now, there are many acquaintances that you will have throughout your life. And those acquaintances majoritively will be based upon the people that you've met in school that you have a familiarity with, but that you're not all that close to. I mean, most of the time, the only way, the only way you're going to see them is if you're in school together. So, it wouldn't be that they were friends that you would that you would talk about your most intimate details of your life with them that you wouldn't share life with them they they, they would just be people that pass by basically pass through uh, periods of time in your life their acquaintances and you would have a multitude of those at work and you would have a multitude of those even in church where where you would be friendly enough where you would all be brothers and sisters and you would all be working together to a common cause and yet still there would be a very few, if any, in that, in that number that would actually be close enough to you to where they would be in your home, where you would be calling each other and meeting out for a coffee, or you would be doing things together. And so we find that through our lives, we have a multitude of acquaintances, but we, we most likely have very few friends. And the desire that Jesus has with you is to be that friend, to be so close to you, so intimate to you, that even though you're connected by family as concerning the blood of Jesus as a brother or sister to Christ, that, that it would be a little bit more. That, that, that there would be that intimacy of you being able to talk to Jesus and, and separate yourself unto him as your friend and be able to go through the intimate details of your life with him so that he could help you, so that he could be there for you, so that he could walk with you. And so Jesus said, I say unto you, my friends, don't be afraid of them that kill the body. Now, of course, the reason why he's saying this is because these Pharisees are looking for a reason to be able to kill him. These, these scribes, these lawyers, they're looking for a way to trip him up so that they can arrest him, condemn him for being a, for being a, a, a wicked, uh, what would we call it, an abomination, but what would we call it, it would be a blasphemer. That's what I'm looking for because he had claimed that he was the son of God. They're looking for a means to be able to catch him for blasphemy so that they could kill him. And, and, and Jesus knows the thoughts of their hearts. Remember, he knows that they want him dead. And so he tells his disciples, he says, be not afraid of them that kill the body. And after that, I mean, that is the most drastic point to which mankind can do against mankind is kill the body. It doesn't go any further than that because there's nothing left that they could do at that point. Your life has left. He says, do not be afraid of them that kill the body, but after that have no more that they can do. Verse number five is pretty important. I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. And by the way, take note of this, because this is the reality. 
We spend so much more time afraid of mankind, which means we spend a lot less time paying attention to the reality of who God is. If we would be less worried about mankind and focus much more on the, the very person of God, then, then our whole life would change about how we interact with the world around us. We spend so much time being afraid of, of man being able to lock you up in jail or man being able to persecute you or man being able to kill you even that, that we would allow man to silence our voice from sharing the gospel. We, we would be told, well, you can't talk about Jesus here. So we would immediately go silent about Jesus here because we don't want to lose our job. We don't want to be persecuted by our fellow employees. We, we, we don't want to be arrested or thrown in jail for doing something wrong. So we, we listen to man because we're afraid of man when, in fact, God would say, take your stand. The very purpose of the proclamation of the gospel is to help them that, that dwell in darkness to be able to see that great light and get saved. Of course, they're going to be hateful to the gospel at first because they're, they're uh, lovers of darkness rather than lovers of light. Just like would be said in John chapter number 3 as, as, as Jesus would bring that very point out. Men love their darkness rather than light because their deeds were only evil continually. So, of course, you're going to have to face a measure of persecution at work. Of course, you're going to have to face a, a, a measure of mockery and of disdain. And may, maybe, like has happened to me three times in my life, you might get fired because you, you are faithful to the gospel, even from religious organizations that would be offended that you would share the gospel inside of the religious organization. That, that may happen. But just as Peter would say in, in Acts chapter number 4, as he's being questioned by these lawyers, as he's being questioned by these Pharisees and scribes, as Peter remembers these things and his gray cells have connected together in Christ, he said, am I supposed to fear man or fear God? And that is the very point that he as he says this before the Sanhedrin court and says, look, I'm going to fear God. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. You do what you have to do because I'm going to do what I've got to do. And the reality is, is because this, this is a remembrance to Peter in his heart. He says, I will forewarn you as Jesus teaches whom you shall fear. He said, fear him. Now, obviously we can take the pronoun him and we can convert this to God. Fear God. Fear him. And this, this is another point of, of contention within our society today that could get me in trouble, but I don't care. Note the fact that there are definitive pronouns being used. Note the fact that, that God, as a him, in the beginning created a him in Adam. And from him was brought forth her. And, and him and her would be brought together and the first union of marriage being established between Adam and Eve and the procreation uh, note that procreation which is which is that which which is happening after the fact of of the two coming together uh, would become hims and hers this whole concept of identity has been skewed by satan the way that I think about myself is, is not the same as the reality that exists. In fact, 
oftentimes, as is revealed in, in this whole genre of filmmaking called fantasy, this whole genre of filmmaking called science fiction, the fiction being that which is false, this whole concept is born to, to bring forth a false reality where identities are considered against the very realities of the nature. And so we have fallen into a trap of false reality thinking, thinking that I can, through identity, become whatever I want to be when in reality, like if we brought this thing back to that which is real, to the real world or reality, is that there are hymns and there are hers which produce hymns and hers, and, and you just can't get around this fact. This fact. And and as a commentarian that, that I enjoy listening to on a regular basis would often say, facts don't care about your feelings. And it's so true. Because when you share facts with people who are driven by their feelings, all they can do is get more upset with you. Instead of listening to the rationality of something that is a fact, instead of accepting a fact for the truth behind what it is and then having to reason why I'm choosing to do what I do, they just people lose their minds when they hear the facts because they're trying to get you to accept through an emotional feeling of why they, they want to be allowed to identify with whatever they want to identify with. And you should just feel their, their argument. You should just emotionally connect with them instead of speaking about all of these facts which bring us back to a reality which reveal truth. And, and Jesus is, is trying to warn you about the reality of, of whom you should fear because even in Jesus' day, the, the disciples and the people are so afraid of this government of Rome and the power that it exudes among a people that, that in many ways they either go unto corruption like the, the, the Judaism of that day, like the synagogues of that day, they'll go into corruption to appease Rome so that they can remain comfortable yet still cause a people to think that they're serving God, or they're going to go silent and they're not going to reveal the truth. They're not going to speak out because they're so afraid. And that's a reality in our modern day, that the world of corruption and wickedness would silence the, the people of, of truth in, in Christ because it doesn't want to hear the reality. And we who carry that truth remain silent because we're afraid of man more than we are afraid of God. And so he says, I forewarn you of whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he has killed. And by the way, Ananias and Sapphira, God killed him. Dropped dead right there. God killed him. God killed his son. God hung Jesus on that cross for you. God killed his son in order to be able to pay a price that you couldn't pay in order to appease a wrath that you only fired up all the more. And so God does kill, and he's righteous in every kill he makes. Not only can he kill, but after death, he's the one that carries the power to cast you into hell. 
and for those who have rejected His Son, rejected His Word, and will have nothing to do with Him, that's exactly what's going to happen to them, is that He exercises His power through their rejection. Their rejection, He exercises His power to cast them into hell. If only you would accept Jesus and surrender, that He would exercise His power to save and not cast into hell. And so I'm out of time today. We will uh, move into Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 8 tomorrow as we consider the acknowledgement of Christ before men and get into trouble with that reality as uh, most people would like to find themselves dancing upon the the, pl- uh, the fluffy clouds of the air uh, whilst having no ministry on this earth so as to be able to live comfortably on both sides, you discover that that's not the case. But we'll get into it tomorrow. And so till then, Father, we give you praise and thanks for the blessing of this gift we have received today of the Word of God, asking that you will allow it to take root in our hearts, Lord, and flourish within us that we may grow thereby. We pray that you will bless us the rest of this day and give us courage to live it well in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you, keep you, and cause his face to shine upon you. I'll catch you tomorrow. God bless.